Jumbo, Jumbo Karibu, everybody. I am Dr. Ruth Vitamamo Akumbo. I am your host. Today, my guest is Dr. Fazin Majirin. He is the interim dean of the Graduate School of Educational Psychology. Go waves, go waves. <laughs> um, our conversation today is titled The Fear of Failure. The Fear of Failure. So the competitive nature of society is sure that for one to succeed, others must fail. Or for you to succeed, you must fail sometimes. So this is a dilemma because many people shy away from engaging in activities that can result in failure. How can one succeed if they are unwilling or too afraid to fail? So we will dive in with Dr. Majiri and see where the conversation takes us. Karibu again. So Dr. Fazin, the way I start is I, uh, I ask for my guests to say a little bit about their name. So it's something new that I'm trying, testing out. And so far it's been fun. Uh, so just your, like, what is the meaning of your name? So does it come with a history? Is there something about it that you really like? Well, um, let's start with something about it I like. I like that my parents called me and, you know, that's meaningful to me. But I've never, I've never thought about my name in, in any other way. Okay. Uh, my name means in Farsi, learned. Hmm. Um, or, and, and it's also a, tied, a name or something that goes with the queen piece in the game of chess. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> very very like learned and then the queen piece and okay wow yes. that's amazing that's amazing the queen piece in the persian culture is gender neutral so <laughs> it's not it's not a female it's the second in command right huh so when is the second in command does it mean somehow you are protecting the queen or does it have like a protection that comes with it or just well, vice president as in, as in skilled as in learned as in seasoned because the queen piece is the one that has the most moves and can travel on a chessboard the longest distances mm. see that is super fascinating that <laughs> is fascinating and i just i just love names so i'm like i think it's a thing that i'm going to do put everybody on the spot by asking their names <laughs> well done and you are very well learned and for that reason there is a question that i have been dying to ask you all through my three years at pepperdine that now that i'm a graduate i can finally ask you that question <laughs> <laughs> and the question is this dr fazin why do you give that test where we all get graded so like we got graded and everybody is basically going, oh, I didn't think that I could fail a test. <laughs> Do you remember that test? <laughs> yeah. Um, just for context to make sure I understand. Yeah. Uh, I teach a course in, uh, we have a long name for it, but it's when I originally designed it, I wanted to call it wisdom. Right. But you know, we have, a, we have an academic title. Right. So in that class, uh, there is no grade. There is pass, 
null pass and exodus. And you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is complete every assignment to get a pass grade. Right. And if you want excellence, you have to write a letter to yourself why you deserve excellence. Is that the, the grading that you're talking about? Um, that is one of them, but uh -huh. one that I'm quite interested in is the one where we write a research paper. It's our first semester. We come in there, we're very green. We walk in there and then you, you slap us with this 40 page research paper and we, we work so hard on it. And then you get, you get like two or three people, like a, almost like a peer reviewed. And when we get the different reviews, no, we're coming from this master's degree background where we're not necessarily accustomed to writing research paper. And we get the reviews from, from the editor and we're just like, <laughs> a lot of us are failing, right? And we're not used to failing. And we are just in this very shock mentality, like what, what just happened? What did we do wrong? How can we fix it? Da, 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 da. And then we, we all panic, right? So why do you do that? Why do you put us through that stress of failure? <laughs> but you don't really fail. Like you don't get a bad grade. You just get no. feedback. Right. We get we the get... feedback is, is detailed. Right. And in fact, I picked two other peer reviewers, one of whom is very blunt. Right. You know, so there is a lot of philosophy in my head about that. <laughs> That's what I'm digging for. <laughs> um, so in my way of thinking, in my experience and everything I've learned, the world of measurement and comparisons deteriorate and diminishes humanity. Because it's not about how good you are. It's are you better than the next person? It's not about your individual excellence and pursuit of improvement as a human being. It's comparing yourself with another human doing. So in order to be good, all you have to do is be a little better than somebody else, which really doesn't bring anything incredible out of you or out of them. Mm -hmm. And people get in the world of comparisons. Is what I do better than what somebody else did and therefore, I'm a more virtuous person than the other. Mm -hmm. That's the world of doing. That's the world of measurements and comparisons. And there is a long way from the world of measurement and comparison to the world of being. Uh, so if you, did, if you create a distinction between human doing and human being, a lot shows up. Mm -hmm. You know, when you meet someone, you go, hi, who are you? And the person says, I'm executive vice president of the, the strategic alliances. No, that's your title. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what you do. That's not who you be. Mm -hmm. So part of the goal for me is at the very beginning of the doctoral program that you live out being a doctor. Mm -hmm. That you don't have to wait to get your degree and graduate and everything just to start acting. Mm -hmm. So like recognizing your value worth as though you are already a doctor. So in that world, once you're out of, you know, once you have your degree, Nobody, you know, once you write an article, nobody gives you an A, B, a C, or grade you on a curve. You get feedback, mm -hmm. you know? And the feedback sometimes is blunt, sometimes it's flowery, sometimes it's nonsensical, and sometimes it's right on. Mm -hmm. So if, if you start from day one with the belief that you're already a doctor, mm -hmm. 
And this is the journey of a doctor. So your experience should be similar to that. Mm -hmm. So your very first assignment in the very first class is you're already a doctor. You have a journey to finish. But in that world, this is how your assignments are reviewed. And you know, a lot of people actually publish that paper that you're talking about in journals or in conferences. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the peak experience of what you would do at the end from day one. And I, I have to say that that class, that class really defined, defined me as a doctoral student. Because after I got the feedback that I got from that class, I had to reevaluate everything about how I learn and how I perceive learning. And I had to embrace this journey that I'm on and know that I'm, it's not going to be an easy journey. It's going to be a humbling journey. It's going to be a journey that is going to test my patience. It's going to be a journey where I have to give it more effort than I had given it in my previous journeys. Like, yes, in, in the undergraduate, I work hard. In the, grad, the master's, I work hard. But for the PhD, it seems like there was a complete shift of the brain and just a different way of looking at things and, and a different way of working hard. So I remember going at one of the papers in that class, I, I knew from the grading that I was getting something, I wasn't getting something right. And I remember just pursuing you and saying, I am missing something. And I worked so hard while everybody was on the break. I just worked on that paper over and over and over again until I finally figured out what was needed in that paper. What, meanwhile, if you had not given me that feedback, it would not have shaped me to start thinking mm -hmm. the way I am thinking. So um, I look at it more, uh, now I started to look at it as, okay, Fear of failure, when, I'm, when you're afraid to fail, once you get a feedback that almost seems like you're failing, like they're not celebrating you in that feedback, you're not getting a big grade, you're getting like this really woo, hardcore uh, 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 feedback from your, from your work, it makes, it makes you either want to run away, give up, or ground your feet down and work. <laughs> so um, fail or failure in general in life, students have uh, turned to, to be um, uh, demoralized or, or, or not, I don't want to say traumatized, but more demoralized or stop working really hard because, they, they, because they're either working, trying too hard to be perfect or they, or they just don't want to fail. And, 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 and a subsidiary of that, in a way, is fear of disapproval. Because mm. if you go back to your childhood, you know, remember where you were a uh, baby Ruth. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you know you failed? Right. Because you get disapproval. Mm -hmm. You know, like you want to eat a piece of cake. And you pick it up and you rub it all over your face and you then you love it and you didn't fail you loved it and then somebody goes that's not right mm -hmm. and then now you haven't been able to gain the approval mm -hmm. 
a lot of us don't have a fear of failure necessarily, although, you know, that, that, that there is truth to that. But it's also fear of disapproval, fear of letting other people down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as children, when we grow up, there are so many times when we do something silly, you know, inconsequential, in, in and that key parent in our life tells us off, mm-hmm. and it feels so bad, we don't want to go through it again. Mm-hmm. That's true. That is true. That is so true. <laughs> Think about grades, you know, like you may take a class and you may, you know, love the class, you do really well, you understood a lot, you learned a lot best class ever but you got to be yeah does that change your experience no but now you don't get approval because you got to be that's the that's the kind of failure i worry about Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day you should be able to authentically assess and 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 figure out how much value you got something and if that was worth the time you put in and and if you look at that then what is failure then there isn't right right so it's, it's back to the being instead of just doing. It's the being. What am yes. I gaining from this experience? Did I contribute? Did I take away something from this experience? Even the, the, the experience of, of, of failure, it, it's, it, it, you take away something from it if you so choose. It's not wasted. That's right. That's right. You see, when, when you attempt something and you don't get the results you want, if you learn something, you haven't lost. You just pay tuition for a great lesson. Mm-hmm. If you don't learn anything, that's when you have failed. That's when you incur a cost. Right. Right. So that reminds me of, of the, another thing that you say is the million-dollar degree. Like you go to, are you going to get a million-dollar degree or you're going to get an $80,000 degree? I, that is one of the most important things I heard on day one, like during the, 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 the opening session. It's like, are you coming here to learn and get what you need to actually go out there and excel? Or you just want to have a piece of paper and say you have this, this doctorate degree? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Right. And it, it, it's, 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 it reminded me of, of the thought that it's not about, yeah, it's good to go to, to certain name schools, but sometimes it's not necessarily what school you graduated from, but what, amount, what, what was the work you put in? What did you take from the teachers? What did you take away from, what, from that experience, from your, co, uh, from your cohort and other people in the classroom that was on this journey with you? Uh, all of these things that you learn really changing your life and helping you to be the person that you need to be once that journey is over one that process is over so it, i really liked that that um putting it simply million dollar degree eighty thousand degrees up to you you can skate your way through the program or you can work really hard and gain what the program is designed for and it's the same with life in general you can go through life, just skating through life, or you can learn from the failures, from the challenges, from the mistakes, from the struggles that you have in life. And then keep using that to build and build on a better future, better uh, um, experiences. Yes. Um, 
as you may know, uh, I'm Iranian and, and Iran is going through this big movement honoring women, honoring their rights and, and you know, life, um, life, women, freedom is the slogan. Um, one of my relatives who's an Iranian woman has just come to the United States and you can imagine the conditions and what have you. And she's got a very positive outlook on life. She says, every morning when I get up, I get to open two presents. And I go, oh, what is that? She goes, my eyes. Every morning when I, I open these two presents and see the world in its all fullness. And, and there is adversity, yet there is joy. There is difficulty, yet there is success. But I get to do this. I get to see all of this. And, and I said to myself, that's opening the million dollar life as a gift every morning. So true. So true. So true. Such, such simple words, but with such depth. With such depth. We take for granted when we wake up in the morning. And yes. um, when, when we haven't lived, when people haven't lived in a situation where, where, where they're faced with what the women in Iran are facing, or even a war zone in general, it's easy to take life for granted. It's easy mm -hmm. to wake up and just be like, where's my coffee? I'm be grumpy about it. Like, <laughs> as if coffee was the biggest thing of the day. Yes. Why waking up and, and, and being able to see and, and live. And it's just such an, uh, a gift as a whole. Um, have you have you in your experience as an immigrant have you have you noted or even through your your, your educational as a professor teaching or working in the corporate have you noted that uh um people that come from the situation like like your family member that just came from there or people that come from war zone or people that have experienced a lot of hardship that they tend to handle failing or uh, uh or success a lot differently than people that never experience any of this yes so there, there is a lot lot of conversation in in my field over uh, reliance on hard work or timeliness or quantitative methods i'm going to put that aside for now okay. uh, and you asked me as an immigrant right so no country is flawless mm -hmm. You know, and the United States of America is not flawless either. Everything has a good and a bad and a, you know, and an ugly. Mm -hmm. But um, the, the immigrant mindset is one of resilience. Mm -hmm. You see, nobody leaves their country to come to the United States to have it worse. <laughs> That's true. You know? That is so true. <laughs> so, and, and there is a, you know, some people are fortunate they get the results they want faster, you know, if it's wealth, comfort, etc. For others, there is a grind. The grind may be challenging and may, may be overwhelming, but you grind it out, you improve your life from where you came. So I, I see a lot of resilience in the immigrant community. You know, like because, you know, God knows how many times I make mistakes and I got knocked down on my rear and you get up, you dust yourself off. Mm -hmm. And you keep moving because, you know, what's the alternative? Right. You know, in my case, I can't go back. There is no alternative. There is no other place for me to be in the world. If right. the United States one day decides I, should, I can't live here, 
I don't have a place to go. So that, that perseverance, that resilience, um, Angela Duckworth calls it grit. Mm -hmm. In most of the research, if not all of the research I've seen, suggest those are the factors that predominantly support success than anything else. Grit and resilience. Wow. So you have experienced this as, as have I. You and I speak with a different accent than yeah. folks that are raised here. Yeah. They have an accent too. Big yeah. Yeah, to us, they have an accent, right? <laughs> so, how many times a day you would say, can I have some water? <laughs> you, go water you go water. Oh, water. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every time you're reminded. Yes. Every time you're reminded, and you know, like you can you can give up and pack it up and, and be miserable. That's choice A. Yeah. Or you can say, oh, okay, their accent is different than mine, no better or no worse. Right. And move on. That's a that's a conscious choice you make in the moment, you know, all day long. Right. You know, Dr. Fazin, um, one thing that I that I that <laughs> I, the dilemma I faced one time with exactly what you're saying is I, I was in the United States, maybe I've been, I've been living here maybe six months, uh -huh. walking, I'm walking around with, with some friends and they're all Americans, Midwest, and um, I kept, I kept saying something, but not saying it right. Yes. And I kept getting corrected, yes. corrected and just corrected. I was so exhausted. Yes. For the first time, I was like, I want to go back home. <laughs> I was so tired by being corrected that yes. I just, the fatigue of it all, I was just, I've been here just six months or less. How am I going to survive this long yes. period of just constantly being corrected? And I, I noted this because I also saw somewhere as I was kind of just reading and reviewing some notes on this, they said, some people don't want to, uh, uh, success. Some people actually have a fear of success because they do not want the change. They don't want the discomfort that comes with constantly being corrected. They, they do not want, they have the, the, the grit, they have the resilience for other things to go in and actually do the hands-on job but they don't have that emotional resilience to keep going. They don't want the, maybe if they become in a leadership position, they don't want the criticism that will come with them making mistakes in that leadership position. So they refuse the success, they refuse the change, and now it becomes a fear of success. So it made me wonder then, had I that moment in time when I was just feeling so beat down by just constantly being corrected, that if I had given up, just even if I had not gone back, but I had just given up and just said, I'm not gonna associate with Americans. <laughs> I'm gonna associate with only Africans. I only deal with Americans if I go to work or have to do something. Then it would have tampered a lot of really good quality friendships that I have. And up to date, I still find myself, I still struggle with, 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 with English. Like, the vocabulary that I just can't get it right. In my brain, I've probably learned how to say some things over the years in a way that if you say it in America, they, they won't be saying, no, you don't say it, that's not the right order. Or you're using your past tense in the present tense or something. So all of that struggle, even with as a doctorate student, I 
I still have to be conscious of the fact that I might have a PhD, but I still have a, have a lot of shortcomings. And with these shortcomings, do I therefore stay and spend the rest of my life trying to perfect it so I can be like an American? Or do I start just moving forward, knowing the shortcomings that I have? So what's your favorite food? Oh, it's, I would say rice and beans. So uh, <laughs> yep, one of mine too. So do you have a shortcoming because you like rice and beans? No. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know what American food is, but let's say cheeseburger. Right. So if you don't have a cheeseburger, do you have a shortcoming? No. <laughs> so you have a different accent. Mm -hmm. You don't have an inferior accent. Right. You like rice and beans. You don't like inferior food. Right. You see, we take on this pressure on ourselves that unless we can be perfect, that we won't belong. Very true. You know, and, but with food, we're good with food. You know, <laughs> rice and beans, because that's, that's what, you know, like nobody has put that pressure on you. If somebody comes to your house and mocks you, you know, let's say somebody, for the sake of argument, American comes to your house and goes, this is, this is nasty, dirty, you know, something, then you would get self-conscious about your food too. Mm -hmm. So we got to choose how we want to interpret the messages society gives us. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody goes, oh, it's water, not water. Yeah. You know, like you just have a different accent than I have. Right. You know, not that I'm inferior, not that mine is wrong. Mm, you know, you make that choice in the moment. Right. And it, it's, it's so fascinating because, um, like you were saying from the beginning where you grew up as a child, is it, the, the, the is expectations that is put upon us. So they're like, oh no, that's wrong. Because they're getting this constant correction on things. So if somebody, even if they're correcting you sometimes in good faith, it's easy to think, oh no, I need to fix it to be exactly like them. So even coming to that awareness that you are different, and that your, 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 your accent is different and that maybe the way you look at life is different or the things you eat might be different. It might stink like some people say, oh, that smells like feet. But to me, it smells delicious. You know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's that awareness and, and like you said, having, having to just make that conscious decision in the moment. And I really love that you said that in the moment. Yes. Because it's, your, it's something we've developed this personality, we've developed these things from our childhood before we even, most of us come here in our 20s or even 30s. So we already have a really long funds of knowledge, a really long uh, established way of doing things. So now we shouldn't put that pressure on ourselves to change overnight. Or we, maybe we'll never change in some of these things. We would really never change. I probably will never be able to say water exactly like that all the time. When I'm tired, my accent is going to be like, like it comes all out. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I have to be conscious in that moment to say, that's who I am. That's part of my, my identity. That's part of my heritage. I have to just embrace it and keep going. Even if somebody criticizes me for it, I just have to keep going. I can't. I cannot afford, like you said, we can't afford to go back. We can't afford no. to, to, to just give up. Yes. Yeah. 
You know, I say this in class, and sometimes people take that as arrogance. Mm. Now, the, the, that's for me, that's neither here nor there. I have a fundamental belief. Nobody can waste my time. Mm. Nobody has the ability or the power to waste my time. Mm -hmm. Only I can waste my time. Mm -hmm. You know, so if somebody goes, I don't want to waste your time. What makes you think you can waste my time? <laughs> you know, like if I don't want to do this, right. if I think it's a waste of my time, I would say no. Right. You know, I can't do it. Right. And if I'm doing it, it's not a waste of my time. Right. And that's a choice you make about who owns your life. Right. You know, if you choose that I own my life, right? right that doesn't mean I'm not going to suffer or not going to have setbacks and stuff, mm -hmm. but I suffer. Mm -hmm. You know, I do well. I choose, you know, another thing I say is nobody can insult me. Mm. Somebody said, but I said a bad word to you. So you said a bad word. That doesn't mean I got insulted. Right. <laughs> you know, you said a bad word. So I know you have a foul mouth. <laughs> I, I choose to get insulted or not get insulted. Mm -hmm. You know, the emotions will show up. Nobody, you know, somebody calls me a baldy. Right. You know, well, yeah, you know, doesn't insult me. The intent is hurtful. Right. If somebody says something to you to hurt you, that's uncomfortable. But nobody can insult me. Nobody can waste my time. Mm -hmm. And if you own your life like that. Right. You know, then, then your interpretation of events in the moment become something that supports you to grow, to be better, yeah. to be better than yesterday, not better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And little by little by little, you move on. Yeah. So you, but you, you know, it's almost like in the highway of life, if you're not holding the steering wheel, then somebody else is. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's true. <laughs> I, I, I usually say that, uh, God gave all of us a brain for but for that reason. You, yes. You've got to you've got to dig into what you have, or else somebody else is gonna run you out the right life for you. Somebody's gonna drive you right off the cliff and then blame you for driving you right off the cliff. <laughs> yes. Um. You with with everything you've said, I I'm thinking now about us being in a world or, or where race is such a big. Uh, um, discussion right now with diversity, equity, inclusion, and be belonging, and it's true we got to make this conscious decisions to be able to be in those situations. But do you think that due to maybe systemic racism or due to biases and and just stereotypes that have been perpetuated over hundreds of years on people of color. Do you think that just having that mindset that, okay, what you're saying is not gonna hurt me, you're not gonna waste my time, all of that. How do you think that plays in a bigger picture for a young woman, for example, a black woman that is going into a best into a company or that maybe she's a minority in that company or any person of color going to a company that she's or he is a minority how do you think those two things play out like so stereotypes are not untrue they just aren't generalizable mm -hmm. you know like i don't know iranian men being super timely you know that's not a negative but or 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 bossy for example i don't know i'm making this up 
Right. So, you know, those stereotypes, it's not that they're not true, they're just not generalizable. Mm -hmm. So when people make those assumptions about us, how we deal with it becomes really important. For example, have you ever had a scrape on your hand? Like, mm -hmm. Oh, knees, hands. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, bless you. So if you have a scrape on your hand, you go blow on it gently. It hurts like there's no tomorrow. Yes. But if you blow on the other hand where your skin is thicker, mm -hmm. nothing. Nothing. Right? So part of our vulnerabilities to words, to microaggression, to insults, to things like that becomes that we have, a, we have a scrapes in our soul. You know, you call me a, a, a thick-headed Russian. I don't have any scrapes in my soul. I don't have any wounds. <laughs> you know, I laugh at you. You tell me like you are a super religious, super, you know, Muslim Iranian. I may have something. Right. So that's that same blow. It's that same innocuous thing. So I, you know, like I've learned something driving in LA. I cannot control how other people drive. Very true. <laughs> right? So all I can do is put my seatbelt on, you know, like drive carefully, look at my mirrors and what have you. Take care of me. Mm -hmm. So that to the extent that I can be aware of, acknowledge, heal my internal wounds, I become immune to other people's exploitation of them. Mm. Oh, wow, that's, that's deep. You know, if I put a Band-Aid on my wound, the other person can blow, you know, hit, do anything, and it doesn't matter because I'm good with me. Right. Now, the challenge is how do I become good with me? Right. Because I can't pretend that the scrape isn't there. Right. There is no, nothing good comes on the foundation of a lie. Right. So I have to be aware of it. I have to recognize it. I have to attend to it. I have to heal it or put a Band-Aid on it and wait for it to heal. But see, those are what I get to do. Right. But if I walk around with my wound and say, hey, I have a wound. I am not doing anything about it. Then don't you guys dare blow on it. I am at the mercy. My well-being, my health, my, my entire soul is at the mercy of others on something that I can have a part. So you need both pieces. Right. Wow, that is, that, is, that is really deep. That is really, really deep because um, I am thinking about just, for example, I am a black woman and I, I, if I'm in a company and there's just, I, I can really reflect being in the entertainment industry for 17 years. It's just, there are things that I just had to shake off. There are things that, I had to say, that sucks, that hurts, but I will work on healing that wound. And it is that constant being aware of the wounds that I have and constantly being able to work on it and being able to say, okay, this person is coming co too close to, for comfort. Do I back away? What do I do so that I don't get that wound scraped all over again? And it's a, it's a constant, it's a constant work. And I ask, yes, there is, there's, there's a, a, a lot of, of, of um, racial inequalities and a lot of microaggressions that come with that and, and all of the stereotypes, but everybody in one way or the other have to have had to deal with some kind of microaggression towards them. 
So healing is for everybody, right? Like, yes. my ignorance should not determine your happiness. And if you're going to act ignorantly and hurt me, if I'm aware that you're trying to hurt me, then it is also my responsibility to be able to get away from that or know how to push back on, on that. Yes. So the most empowering thing I know of in life are, are boundaries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, like I have a neighbor. Mm -hmm. we we don't have a fence between us mm -hmm. but he observes my yard and i observe her right her, her yard mm -hmm. right? but if we don't without boundaries we would have animosity sure. you know if one day i throw a ball over to her side and she doesn't say anything that silence is permission because mm -hmm. the next day i would throw my shoes over there she didn't say anything she doesn't mind mm -hmm. but if she says hi I don't like you to send, throw your ball or your shoes on my side. She has empowered a great relationship between the two of us. Because now I know. Right, right. You know, it's uncomfortable, but I'd rather be uncomfortable for 10 minutes, but empowered for a lifetime. Very true. Wow. You know, so sometimes we want to be nice. That is, we don't want to upset things. Mm -hmm. And right, nice to me is a shallower emotion. Mm -hmm. So somebody says, um, Ruth, where does, you know, like fix your accent or correct you, you know, and you know, you want to be nice because all our life parents said, don't talk back, don't say anything bad, da, 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 da. you know, like you're at some point you got to say, my parents did well. I needed that training. No, I'm not baby Ruth. I'm <laughs> Dr. Ruth. So I'm going to tell the gentleman. You know, like, I appreciate it. I know I have an accent. Thank you for reminding me. Right. <laughs> you know, that takes some of the, that takes the edge away. Right. Or, you know, my daughter is an attorney. Yes. She's a litigator. So she is, she's, she's not, she's not small, but she's very petite. Right. So, you know, sometimes judges in courtrooms don't treat her like they treat her male counterparts. And they're rude to her. And, you know, we're having this conversation. I said, um, sweetie, if, what would you do if a man puts his hand on your shoulder? And she's a tough kid. She was like, I'll punch him up. No, no, don't punch him up. But I hear you. <laughs> you, know, you would immediately create a very solid boundary. Mm -hmm. Why don't you do that when they're rude to you? Right. What's the difference? Right. Why is one legitimate and one not legitimate? Right. Now, I'm not suggesting pu punching people, right. <laughs> you know, but to clearly state what you're comfortable with, what you're not comfortable with. Right. You know, it's almost like when you drive, we have a red light, green light, yellow light. Mm -hmm. All right. What if these were all like purple and blue and beige? And how would you know when to stop? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you got to thicken your skin in general. And when somebody microaggresses, you got to find a way to, you know, I don't like calling out. I like calling in to create boundary. Yeah. You know, that makes me, I know you mean well, not questioning your intent, but that makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I need to work on myself. And I appreciate if you, you know, watch what you said too. And then, then there's some, some version of this. Everybody can be comfortable saying. Mm -hmm. That is true. That is very, very true. Wow. Yeah. I, 
I keep forgetting about boundaries. <laughs> we keep forgetting about boundaries, but boundaries is it, it doesn't need to be radical. Boundaries yes. need to be radical. Boundaries yes. can be something as simple as politely saying, I I I know where you're coming from with that, but I do not like it because of this, this, and that. So mm -hmm. yeah, wow, yes, yeah. Uh, because I, the, the reason why this is so important is that with diversity, equity, inclusion, it's it's and race, just the racial divides in our society. It's important for us to know that it's it's not always about black and white. It's not every. It, yes, yeah, some things might come down to that line of black and white, or or or. or, or yellow and, and black <laughs> whatever color yes. we're coloring ourselves these days but not everything is because of it sometimes people are just people and pe even within black people there's boundaries that are needed so being able to handle boundaries in a polite and friendly way is was very very important in excelling like i can i can visualize myself now yes. as a black woman in an organization say i'm in a in, in an executive position with other high level white male or or, or 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 even black male that are considered really macho for example and if they do something i don't like i'm not going to stand up and be another try to be a tough block man, yes. tough block, be like them. I'm going to find a way to state that boundary in the most respectful way, but firmly, as as you advise your daughter to do, if a man with, she's 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 not, she is tiny, but she's not a, a joke. She's, she's, she's earned her place yes. as a tough lawyer. So you, you can't, you can't marginalize her. So um, it's a matter now of handling that boundary and stating that boundary so clearly that if the person persists and you take another level of action, then they call it among themselves because you made sure they understood where the boundary is. Yes. You know, and sometimes in, in one of our classes uh, with women executives, we do this exercise. So yeah. play along with me. Yes. Suppose that you are at a conference and you are with a significant other and you're sitting at the downstairs at the bar, your significant other is upstairs and you're waiting for your significant other to arrive and go have dinner, right? You're sitting by yourself near a bar. I walk up to you and say, hey, cutie, can I buy you a drink? No, I'm waiting for my husband partner. Okay. Your yeah. husband or partner is not here. What's the harm? Oh. <laughs> what's the harm well i know that i want to invest that time with my partner not with you i don't know you <laughs> well that's so true but this is the best opportunity for the two of us to get to know each other and your partner is not here so let's just have a drink what's the big deal oh no it's a big deal because I know that what I'm doing is probably not going to be appreciated by my partner. And I would just prefer if you leave me alone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I appreciate that your partner may not appreciate this, but he or she doesn't know. So what's the harm? Let's have a drink. And that's a big deal. 
sir, will you leave me alone? <laughs> but you see, you see the you're trying to create boundary. Right. Yes. And I'm being slick around your boundary because you never said no. Oh wow. I never said no. You never said no. I made every excuse, but I didn't say no. You never said no. Wow. So you you know, like you gave me a puzzle to solve. You didn't oh. say no. You said my partner is in here. I can I can solve that. Yeah. You know? I never said no. I never, never said, said no. no. Yes. So th that's not creating a boundary. That's oh. that's you know, that's to some idiot. That may be you playing hard to get. True. That's a challenge. I just offered them a challenge. I just yes. offered them a challenge. And you know, men bound bond, men bond to producing vasopressin, a stress hormone. Uh -huh. So, you know, you see two guys get into a fight, beat each other up, then get up and they shake hands and they're good friends for life. <laughs> they, they, they share the stressful problem-solving moment and their body rewards them wow. women bond by producing oxytocin mm -hmm. that's why i don't want i don't mean to be like off color or anything that's why when you know a, a you know two people have an intimate relationship together typically the woman gets all dreamy and everything and the guy gets disinterested right. the woman has had an oxytocin moment all of that feeling and everything bonding Mm -hmm. For the guy, he didn't solve a problem. He didn't solve a challenge. So mm -hmm. when you don't create a boundary with a guy and you just say, well, I'm not thirsty. Okay. I can, I can <laughs> solve this challenge and have a vasopressin bond. Oh, my goodness. I, I'm so stuck that I didn't say no the whole never time. Said no. The whole time. I played yes. every polite thing in the book. But I didn't you were petrified. Seriously, I could tell you were uncomfortable. You're like, how do I get rid of this dude before there is a fight here? You know, like you were uncomfortable, but you never said no. I never said no. Wow. Now, some, when we do this with clients, sometimes the, you know, the, the woman partner that does this, you know, like that, in your place will go, hey, get lost, you idiot. I'm not interested. Okay. That's an overreaction. You just created conflict. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Or you play along. No, that's passive aggressive. Mm -hmm. Aggressive and passive aggressives are the two end of the same dilemma. Mm -hmm. You never said no. You say no, thank you. I don't want to drink. No excuse. Wow. Oh, but the drinks here are great. I know the the drinks here are great. You echo back so the guy knows you heard it. But I just don't want to drink. Thank you. Oh yeah, that 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 that's no. It's it seals it right there. It's using it right there. Wow. Yeah. So That's direct and assertive. Assertive is this. Aggressive is punching the guy. Right. Aggressive is try to figure out a way. Everything. The number one answer that women give when a guy asks them, can I buy you a drink? Is no, I have a boyfriend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Your boyfriend is in here now. What's the problem? Yeah. You never said, no, I don't want to drink. Right. Or, you know, like, um, I don't know you. Great. We can get to know each other. <laughs> yeah. It's so true.
true, so true. Like because I was getting so agitated and a little bit I was so frustrated. I'm like, how do I get rid of you? So I need to call 911 on the corner of my phone. Yes. But meanwhile, that I had to keep uh, uh, being assertive by starting with no. I do not want a drink. Yes. I do not and want it's on me. It's not on this, that, or uh, the, the significant other or anything. Yes. I don't want to drink. Thank you. Wow. This is this is super informative. It, it's, it's interesting that we came from fear, fear, uh, uh, fear of failure to really circling back to things that... Yeah, but it's the same before. thing. See, yeah. the construct is saying it's the fear of not getting approval. That's you true. don't want to hurt the guy's feeling. That's true. You want to get their approval. <laughs> and you end up hurting the guy's feeling because you're not being direct. Right. And that is, wow. And a lot of us women do that. A lot of us women do that because it's like the moment you, you think that if you say no, they're going to they're going to say why or this and that. You start thinking all these things or they think you're a rude person or this all unnecessary fears in in your in your head that it triggers so many other fears that have nothing to do with that situation I've, I've had literally i've had whether in class seminar and in coaching in class i've had you know i'm close with my students right you know like i've had the, the, the woman cry like she goes i don't know what to say i'm in trouble you know and my husband wife partner is going to come and get really upset i don't know what to say yeah because all of our life parents you know, those who care with us said, be nice, be polite. Yes. I agree. I say, be polite to you, to yourself first. Right. If you're polite to yourself, you can be polite to others. If you are kind to yourself, you can be kind to others. Right. Right. Because you could totally say no without being rude. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. Why is it so hard to say no? No, like two letter word. No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm a good example. We, we just went through <laughs> exercise and I couldn't say no. I, I went through every excuse in the book, but I did not say no. I do not want to drink. Yes. And it's interesting because I do I don't drink. Like mm -hmm. normally when somebody says I want to drink, it's usually alcohol or something. I don't even drink. So I could just say no, I don't drink. Thank you. Uh, you say no, I don't drink. I said, okay, That's I'll buy you know, I'll buy you dinner or I'll buy you <laughs> a, a, a virgin drink or something. You, know, you got to say what you want. You got to clearly state the boundary. Right. No, thank you. Or no, thank you. I want to be alone. Right. I think that's the best, the, the best four words. No, thank yes. you. I want to be alone. Or how yes. many words they are. It's basically that. Because anything else, will, they can find an excuse around it. Anything else in my head. I'm bringing up all these excuses. I'm thinking this is the perfect excuse to get rid of this person, but they just keep running circles around me. Mm -hmm. Wow. So the, the key is no, what I want is I want you to leave. Yes. No, I don't want a drink. No. <laughs> yes. And there is a little bit of technique to this too. It's called the broken record. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you ask me if you can buy me a drink. Mm -hmm. Please, like, try it. Say, Farzine, can I buy you a drink? So you want me to say that? Yes, please. Farzine, can I buy you a drink? Um, no, thank you. I don't want a drink. I appreciate it. Now, ask again. Can I buy you a, a drink or can I change it to dinner? 
thank you. I appreciate that you want to buy me a drink or a dinner, but no, thank you. I don't want a drink or a dinner. See, I repeated what you said, so you know I heard you. You know I didn't dismiss or ignore you. And then, then like a broken record, remember? Yeah, you just keep going. Because already, just by saying it twice, I'm already like, mm, yeah, I don't want to ask anymore. She's made it, he's made it yes. clear he doesn't want to drink or dinner. Yes, you repeat what the person said verbatim so they know you heard them. And then, just like a broken record. You repeat what you said, but no, thank you. I want to be alone. Oh, is there something wrong with me? Oh, are you worried that I think there is something wrong with you? No, I just don't want to drink. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Wow. Yeah, you just echo back what you heard so they know you heard them and then play back exactly your main point. Mm -hmm. I just want to be alone. Thank you. What? You think you're too good for me? Oh, I'm sorry. You have the impression that I think I'm too good for you. No, that's not the case. But thank you for asking. I just want to be alone. Thank you. Wow. I, I really appreciate this. I really <laughs> <laughs> Because no matter how, how assertive we think we are as women, we, we, we really struggle with this. We really struggle with this because if you had, if you had asked me how I would have reacted, I would, I, before even asking me that question, I'm going through this exercise with me. I would have been, I would have confidently said, I would tell them I don't want anything to do with it. Or I would have maybe like thought in myself that I can, I can diffuse this situation in seconds. But no, I really cannot diffuse that situation in seconds if I don't purposefully make it in my no to, to, to say no, this mm -hmm. is what I want. No, yes. it's not what you're offering is wrong. It's that this is what I want. Wow. Yes. Dr. Fazin, this is really amazing and this is great. And if anything, I have to say that you have given something for a lot of women to just hang on to and free themselves from a really uncomfortable situation and this can <laughs> apply anywhere anywhere even with family even with family yes. yeah so at work at school with friends on a bar sitting on a bus like this applies everywhere just having that confidence to respond in the appropriate way without minimizing yourself without making yourself feel like you're less than or like you have to justify yes. the reason why you're saying what you're saying you don't have to justify it you just yes. that's just what you want there's no justification that goes into it and being able to give yourself the permission mm, yes okay i'm giving myself permission to say no thank you right. i'm not being rude or anything right. i have that right to give myself the permission to say no your boss says, can you stay? To, can you come on Sunday and work? I would love to, but I can't. I have another commitment. Thank you. Well, this is important. I understand how it's important. When I come back on Monday, I'll treat it as most important. But no, you know, I have something to attend to. Mm -hmm. Just give yourself permission. Be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. Then you don't have to worry. You don't have to leave your entire sanctity as a human being in somebody else's hand. Mm -hmm. They can microaggress all day long. Mm -hmm. You just don't take it on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that has to get confronted. I'm not dismissing microaggression. Right, right. 
Right. It's like, what is my part? Yes. Situation that is maybe racially charged or that is biased or that is whatever label we put on that particular situation. What is my responsibility to me in that moment? Mm -hmm. I need to know that responsibility and act accordingly. Yeah. Very quickly, I know your time is up, but uh, there was a moment when somebody asked me recently a question that, that I that I didn't like the tone. Mm -hmm. It sounded accusatory, I was uncomfortable. And I so have time. Don't worry, I have time. <laughs> uh, uh, no, but this is this is short. I yeah. said it's very hard for me to give you an authentic answer the way you phrase your question. Mm -hmm. The way you phrase your question felt for me as accusatory or dismissing of my identity. Mm -hmm. But I, I want to give you a good answer. Do me a favor. Can you ask this question differently? Mm -hmm. You know, that was creating boundary. It was uncomfortable. There were a lot of people in the room watching, right. you know. But I'm glad to answer you, but you got to ask in a way I'm comfortable answering. Right, right, right. Wow. And, and then you give them an opportunity, right? Because you could have... You could have reacted mm -hmm. to that thing to that question, and then it would have ended up being completely not a good situation. Yes. Worse than the, the 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 discomfort that was felt at that moment, it could have been worse. But yes. taking the tactic that you did to say, "Look, I know you have a good heart. This is probably coming from a good place. But if you just reword it differently, I can be able to answer you." in the way it was given. That's really thoughtful. <laughs> I want to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> but Ruth, I wasn't like me always. <laughs> right. You know, you do learn, you develop this. Right. You develop love for yourself, you give yourself permission. Mm -hmm. You stand up for yourself. And it comes, you know, it comes in time. Nobody has superpowers when they're born. Right, that's true. That is so true. That is so true. So the key takeaway is give yourself permission and boundaries. Have grit during a situation that you think you're failing. Have the grit to keep going. Always look at the million dollar yes. result of that situation and not just whatever you can get in the moment and learn to say no. <laughs> learn to Amen. say no. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Fazin. I, I miss you. Like I miss you. I am a I am a graduate now, but I do I do miss my days in your classroom and I miss this deep psychological conversations, philosophical <laughs> conversations. I, I do miss them. I well, I'm, I'm in no shape to do this, but maybe if I get in a little bit of shape, one of these days you'll take me on one of your hikes. I cannot wait for that. <laughs> you just tell me you're ready. I am okay. dropping whatever I'm doing and we are going on a hike and we're, I'm going to take it easy and we can have com deep conversations on our yes. hike and you will never know that you just did five miles. <laughs> All right. If I do five miles, I'll buy you a drink. <laughs> I am the I have had a chance. That was my closing joke. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I know that I'll get that drink. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. Thank Pan you for the opportunity. Oh, Take thank care. you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.